Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. And welcome back into another edition of More Outdoors. Martha will be rejoining us shortly. She's on a coffee break trying to check out a sunrise here at Draper, South Dakota. Bad River Bucks and Birds is the name of the location. We're also going to speak to one of the guides here, Jeff Jurgensen. I'm going to give you some information. If you're interested in coming up here and either doing our Cajun Invasion package or getting a package of your own, whether it be pheasant hunting, uh, sharp-tailed grouse, uh, prairie chickens, uh, they also have combination whitetail and mule deer hunts, Miriam wild turkeys, pronghorn antelope, lots of opportunities of things that we do not have on the Gulf Coast. We'll give you all the information you need. Uh, back home, boy, we've been hearing from a lot of people this morning, and we continue to take your text messages at 870-870. Uh, busy weekend for sure. We've got that Bayou Coast Kayak Fishing Club uh, Championship Tournament going on in Leeville. Uh, opening day of the West Zone for waterfowl that will now uh, be opened in conjunction with our Coastal Zone. East Zone is one week away, opens up next Saturday morning. Uh, we also have many of our areas in Louisiana and Mississippi that are opening with modern firearms. Up until this point, it's been the bow and also the primitive black powder weapons. Uh, now it'll be opening up for rifle and shotgun. That's going on. And, of course, another big, big important item going on is the election day. It's the governor's race in the state of Louisiana. Uh, if you have not yet voted yet early, uh, polls are now open. They'll be open. Uh, find some time before, after, or while your fishing trip and hunting trip is uh, going to take part most of the day. We're also going to uh, hopefully that you'll get out and vote for your candidate of your choice. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. All I can tell you is what we did uh, two weeks ago. If you go back and listen to the podcast, of this program, this time slot, uh, Eddie Rispone, one of the candidates, agreed to come on. Uh, we asked you, the listeners, for the week before that to give us your uh, most uh, pressing issues that you think is facing the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries for the coming years, and we presented those questions to the governor's candidates. Uh, we did not hear from the current governor, uh, John Bell Edwards, and you can draw your own conclusions as to why he did not want to come on and discuss those topics. Uh, Eddie Rispone did. Uh, it's on record. It's on tape. And if you want to hear what he had to say before you cast your vote, you're welcome to do that. Just go to the show on November 2nd and find that 7 to 8 o'clock hour and you'll hear his comments. All right, we've got uh, two full hours of the program coming up for you. In just a moment, we're going to be joined by Jeff Jurgensen, one of the professional guides here at uh, Bad River Bucks and Birds. Uh, we're also going to turn it over to Keith uh, Lusher for the 8 to 9 o'clock hour and give you one of those uh, excellent North Shore Fishing Report shows. He's got a great lineup of guests so that Martha and I can slip out of here and get our uh, gear ready to get out there and hunt some festivals. Martha, you about ready to go shoot some birds? I'm ready. I'm awake now. I'm uh, I'm about to put some fuel in the fuel in the tank and head on out. All right. We're looking forward to that. Jeff Jurgensen joins us now here at the, the lodge at Bad River Bucks and Birds. And Jeff, thanks for being with us. Uh, we understand you're going to be our guide today. We're going to go out uh, if you would, first of all, tell us a little bit about the history of Bad River Bucks and Birds. How long has this place been here, 
and, and what have they grown? I've watched Brett grow over the years, and they've really got some nice accomplishments that they've done here. Well, this is true. This is a beautiful place. We cater to the our guests. We're hooked up on several different outdoor venues on this area here. The ranch has been here since the early 1800s. The same family has been ranching it and taking care of it for over 100 years. The lodge was started in the late 90s by the Matthews family. And as you can see, looking here, it's hard to tell on radio. I'll wave the microphone <laughs> around. <clears throat> we'll a, have some video for them on our TV show. It's a beautiful, great, beautiful place. We farm for the birds. We farm for animals. Everything is taken care of just to cater to the wildlife. Everything's very strict as far as what we do with the animals and the pheasants outside. We really enjoy our waterfowl and the beautiful scenery and try to be great stewards of the land. It's a wonderful place from a lot of standpoints, but one perspective I really enjoy is that once you get here, you ain't got to leave. Everything is done here. Yes, sir. We we try to take care of everything. We have a, a real chef who last night we found out was quite amazing. I'm sorry you had to sit through a dinner of prime rib, lobster tail, twice-baked potatoes. <clears throat> but we uh, lunches are quite extravagant. Breakfasts, depending on what you're doing here, whether it's shooting prairie dogs and or pheasant hunting, or everybody got up early for deer hunting, so we had a light breakfast ready made up sitting for you at 5 a.m. Coffee's always on. We've got a full-service bar, <laughs> pool. Uh, we've got a game room, a cigar room, and we got a great big extensive back deck that overlooks the, oh, the part of the property, and you can actually shoot right off the deck. We've got a half-mile rifle range with gongs at various yardages. We've got a trap and clay range. And we've got quite a quite a few things you can do about anything. Right time of year, we'll take you fishing, shoot prairie dogs. We can do a summer trip of prairie dogs and walleye fishing up on the big lake, up Lake Oahe. So we kind of think we've got it covered. Jeff, back down south where we're from, when people hear South Dakota, and you'll agree with this, Martha, you think of birds, you think of pheasants. But I don't think people realize, some people do, that the the, the, the wild game, the deer. The biodiversity have. here is fantastic. And I was, you know, I was pretty new to all this, and I did obviously realize that the bird hunting was exceptional. But if you come into this lodge, I mean, there's just mounts everywhere. Miriam turkeys, white-tailed mule deer, and I'm really excited. I hope the hunters have a good day the next couple of days while we're here because I would love to see just the deer here are different. A lot of folks Don and I were talking about didn't used to travel for deer hunting, and now people down south are doing that. They're getting curious, and they want to see what's, what it's like somewhere else. But I do have to say from the pictures that Brett was showing us yesterday and the videos of some of the deer that are being targeted today that they're just so different. They have different vegetation. They eat differently, and it, it's just cool to see something that we're not used to. And let me tell you, they are no small creatures here. It looks like everything bigger in Texas might go more for South Dakota also. But I did want to mention you were talking about the lodge. I'm already in love with this place, not only due to the hospitality, but I'm a light sleeper. And I was nervous about being, you know, with around so many hunters who were having a great time last night and worried about the noise. Because, you, know, you know, some people don't sleep. You hear people 
walking down the halls and talking. And the second I laid my head on the pillow, I did not hear a peep. So whoever built this place did a great job, and the hunters are very respectful. So kudos to you because I feel refreshed and ready to go. Well, that's good to hear. But we took great care into making sure this was quiet and well-built. <clears throat> we get a lot of wind out here, you know, in South Dakota, so it's always always a struggle to keep buildings in the, in good order. So when Brett and his crew put the place together, the, the walls are all lined with three-quarter inch rough cut cedar, knotty, knotty cedar, which helps insulate, and of course, the sheetrock and then the insulation between every room because we all complained about each other snoring <laughs> in the past. <laughs> so we, we would make sure we didn't have to hear the guy next to us. Uh, we've got the best money, beds money could buy, and we change them out. And we've got fantastic housekeeping gal and and that takes care of things, cleaned every day, everything's spotless clean. We've just switched most everything over to the little better technology with LED lights and everything. And moving on to the next the next phase here. For well, you know, uh, we talked a little bit about the lodge, and I want to talk about the pheasant hunting. But today's opening day of deer season with the gun. Tell us about the deer seasons up here in South Dakota. How do they work, and, and what typically can you expect to find in terms of scoring up here? Well, what you're looking at up here, one of the reasons the southern people come up, you know, our an average mule deer buck is going to run pretty close to 150, summed up to 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. I've had people years ago come up, and he had a doe and a buck tag, shot a doe. The doe was, to him, gigantic probably 155, 60 pounds. He was calling that his buddies. That would be a freak. <laughs> yeah. Where we're from. Calling his buddies. Every, and he <laughs> shot a doe and said, I shot a 150-pound doe. You can't believe it. And I said, well, wait till you get your buck. Mm -hmm. But the mule deer, they're quite a bit different up here than the whitetails. Mm -hmm. You know, their, their racks are generally a little taller and a little wider. They're not as spooky as a whitetail by any means. So their population doesn't accelerate as fast. They'll eat a little bit different vegetation, and, and they live in a different area. They're more on the open prairie and then the breaks and that kind of stuff. The whitetails, you know, they're skitterish. They'll see you two miles away, and they all start running and screaming and waving their tails. And So as far as the scoring goes, it's up and down. It's all over. We have seen in the last, I'd say, 10 years for the whitetail bucks a great expanse in, their, in the size of their antlers. And we're planting more diversified crops now, I think. You know, more it was grazing crops, and, and we've got a lot of corn. There's a lot of guys planting beans up here now. A lot of uh, guys are using beets and radishes to break the soil up in the fall for the uh, cover crops. So that's really helping out a lot. We we used to tell people, if you're coming to white, up here for whitetails and you want a trophy, this isn't what you're going to get. Well, now, golly, <clears throat> that's different. Well, back home, typically deer hunting is done a couple of ways because of the terrain. If it's in a swamp, there's still a few people that, that use dogs, and they'll hunt them that way. Other than that, a lot of the woods are so thick, baiting is legal, it's allowed, and you have to pull the deer into a spot that you've got cleared to, to shoot the deer. What's typically a deer hunt out here? How do you set up, and what type of terrain will you be hunting? Well, it depends on what the guy's doing. Let's say we've got several guys out here archery hunting today, even though it's opening of rifle season. So they'll be in ground blinds or we have some raised blinds that are actually heated and they're up off the ground about 12 feet and they'll be sitting in there on the edge of tree lines because we have very few trees here 
Mm-hmm. And like we know what you guys do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, baiting is not legal here in any means, including salt blocks or anything like that. So the guys in the blinds, it would be a typical, just like I'm sure you guys do in a deer blind. Now the mule deer hunters with rifles, they'll pretty much be out spot and stalk. So they will be, you know, crawling over hills and looking at four deer maybe up to a mile away and then trying to figure out how to, to get down over to them and get a little closer so they can get a shot. And a lot of the, the mule deer hunting here, you know, they, they'll be on the edges of the breaks in, later in the morning as they moved in from the prairie during the night. And so then they'll, you got one chance maybe before that doe seizure, and then she darts and takes everybody with her. Let's talk a little bit about licensing and, and what the easiest thing to do. Um, the bird hunting license, you know, there's a website you can go and get them, which is what I did before I came, but it's set up differently, and I was confused on it at first and why they do that. But tell us a little bit about limits, aggregate limits, and how to get licenses both for birds and for big game before you get here. Well, we'll start with the big game. That license comes out in midsummer. You have to apply. You don't know if you're going to get it. It's a lottery. You do build up preference points, and you can buy preference points to come out here. There's a few guys that get them every single year, depending on what kind of deer you're, you want. You have a choice between whitetail or mule deer. You have a choice of whether you want one or two or does. It's, it's quite, a, quite a long, drawn-out system. But the chances of getting one in this area are a little better than most just because of it's all private land and you have to hunt on somebody's land. And most of the landowners out here have friends, family, or they've got at least some place to where you have to, you know, talk to somebody to get there. Now in South Dakota, we have thousands and thousands of acres of public walk-in land. And some of that walk-in land is very, very difficult to get to, which means there's great deer hunting, but you have to walk. Now, as you get a little older, like I am, I don't really want to walk and drag one out or carry one out. So we're going to, I'm probably going to miss that. <clears throat> the pheasant hunting is quite simple. You well, can, what we're going to do here, oh, Jeff, we're going to take a break right here. Good. And when we come back, it'll be a perfect time. We'll pick up the pheasant hunt, tell us how it's going. And South Dakota has long been known as probably the capital of the country for pheasant hunting. What are you seeing out the window there? I just saw, uh, I saw a bird. I wasn't sure what it was, but you never know. It's still a silhouette at this point, so it could have been a pheasant. All right, we'll be know. right back. Don Dubuque, Martha Spencer. We're at Draper, South Dakota, Bad River Bucks and Birds. Our guest is Jeff Jurgensen. We're getting ready to go on a pheasant hunt. He's going to tell you all about it and how you can come up here and have your own Cajun invasion getaway. We're back right after this. You'll listen to more outdoors on WWL 105.3 FM HD2. And Martha, now it's time to talk about pheasants in South Dakota. Well, that is the reason we are here. And before you get here, there's a few things you need to do, a couple of custodial things, as with anywhere you go. You have to buy your license. Uh, they have it set up a little differently. I was curious to why, when you go to purchase an out-of-state guest license, it's set up the way it is, and here to tell us about it. Jeff's going to explain why it is the way it is and what that means. Well, first of all, we'll start off with the dates and the, and the times. If you come early season, let's say in, in uh, early October, the, you can't hunt pheasants here till noon. And there's been a lot of talk about why you can't hunt till noon. A lot of it was because they didn't want the hunters bothering the farmers and ranchers while they're having their lunch or 
maybe it was because you wanted to go have lunch, which is how I started out with some of the neighbors around here. I'd make sure I always got to their house right at lunchtime because lunch here is always quite a great event every single day. <clears throat> Later in the year, it changes to about 10 in the morning. There's two separate non-resident uh, periods, if you would. When you buy your license, it'll be two separate seven-day times that you can be, or you can't hunt a consecutive 15 days in a row. So you can buy your license online. You can have it in your pocket. You can get it easily from any place if you're driving in. It, most all of the sporting goods stores, gas stations have a place for you to go ahead and buy your license right there. It's quite easy. It doesn't take much time. You can buy one here at the lodge. Of course, we set you all up. The The bag limit for is is for statewide is three birds, 15 possession. So you can take back 15 frozen birds only if you hunted those two separate seasons. Mm -hmm. Now, the, we have preserves up here. There's quite a few pheasants preserves. And what that means is they're not canned birds that you're going to kick and they're going to fly. These birds were released throughout the year. We have to replace the birds we shoot, whether they're wild or whether or not they're pen-raised birds. The birds have to be at least 12 weeks old for full plumage before they can be released here in South Dakota. And then we go out, and some of the, the different uh, hunting lodges that have that or different ranches that have the preserves, there's uh, various bag limits. You pay pretty much for what you shoot. Here we, we, we have a set price. You shoot a set number of birds. You know what you can expect or what you can't. We'll eat some of the birds while you're here, which is, to me, way better than cooking them yourself. And then we'll go out and do it again, and, and our bird hunt can last all day if you want it to, depending on your shooting ability. What I always say is bring a couple buddies that are lousy shots because then you can shoot more. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, how does a pheasant hunt go? What are we going to do when we leave here at the lodge? How we're are we going to set up? We're going to leave here in a few, few hours. We're going to take a bus. with. Uh, we have another group going with us, but they'll hunt separately because of the mud here we have this week. So we're going to go out, we're going to have highly trained dogs. The dogs are the boss. The dogs are kind of the show of our lodge. We're going to go out, we're going to, we're going to walk tree belts, and then depending on the size of our group, if we had a large, large group, we would, want, we would hunt standing corn, standing milos, cattails, that kind of stuff. And we've got several hundred thousand acres here to hunt. So as in our small group we have here with you guys, we're going to go hunt tree belts, these birds are in there, in the cover, hiding from the eagles, the pheasants. And they'll see us coming. They're going to run in. They're going to hide. The dogs are going to find them for us. They're going to flush. We're going to shoot them. They're totally wild. They're, not going to, they're scared of us. They're going to fly away. If you shoot them, they're going to down. The, the dogs are going to grab them, and we're going to go after some more. Oh, I love it. Now, on, on a big drive, I've been here before. Well, we've pushed, you know, sometimes a mile when you've got a lot of people. How do you set those hunts up? Well, we'll set blockers up at the end. And the blockers aren't there to shoot. They're to shoot the birds that get ahead of you and, and flush. And, and But the birds know when the guy's standing at the end of the field, they're not going to run out because there's something wrong. They still know we're a predator. So they're going to hang out in the end of that field until the last minute when everybody gets kind of down. We kind of surround them, and the dogs are kicking them up and you're you're shooting the birds and picking the birds up so if we were just walking along the tree belt and nobody was at the end 
they'll run right out into the next tree belt or the next field, and they're just laughing. They don't care. They're not going to. There's nothing there to stop them. There's quite a few times when we were short on people, we'd park the pickup at the end of the field and leave the radio on. And they would hear that and not hopefully hold up a little better. And one thing that the hunters really have to be conscious of here is rooster pheasants are the only ones that are legal. Waterfowl hunting, you can take males, you can take drakes, you can take hens. Mm -hmm. What's some tips on when those, because that bird comes out of there like a rocket. You've got to make a pretty much a snap decision. Well, the rooster pheasants are fairly easy to identify after the first few. They're a very brightly colored bird, whereas the hens are a dull, tan color. They'll flush right same as a rooster will. The dogs will flush them, and, and you just got to be careful. You look for the red, bright red eye patch, the white ring around their neck. You can't go by the tail feathers. You don't, the hens have tail feathers just the same as roosters. The roosters are typically a little longer, but you don't know. It depends on the age of the bird and how well he got along in nature. Mm-hmm. So the, your guides will yell rooster, or everybody will be yelling hen, 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 and, and we don't shoot that one. That's a violation of South Dakota law. You can't have a hen. You can't shoot hens. So the roosters here, you've, you've got to kind of pick your target. We say blue sky under the bird. We don't shoot low. We don't want to hit the dogs. We don't want to hit the guys at blocking. You don't. You shoot your 10 and 2 if you're in the middle of a big drive with a bunch of guys so that you're not shooting across other people's lanes and you don't turn around and shoot behind you because your guide is probably back there picking up a bird or picking up helping one of the guys and you hate to shoot your guide then you have a hard time getting back <laughs> so where guides are guides are easy to come by but the dogs are hard to come by so we try to save the dogs obviously pheasants take the main stage here but there are a few other species of birds tell folks what those are and if we might see any of those today or tonight well, of course, the waterfowl is a great, great thing out here in South Dakota. Tony Dean years ago called it the duck factory. And we had fantastic amount of ducks here until last week when it froze solid and they all left. But we have a sharp-tailed grouse and prairie chicken. And I'm thinking we're probably taking Dan and Martha here on a prairie chicken hunt tonight, <laughs> which I had to say that correctly. So we'll sit in chairs and they'll fly from the prairie to their roost, and you will be past shooting prairie chickens and grouse. Amazing. You mentioned Tony Dean. Tony Dean and I, on opposite ends of the continent, we became good friends. We had an awful lot in common. What a great guy Tony was, an outdoor writer. He was, and, and in person, in the grocery store he was at. That's how I ended up out here. I worked for a bunch of guys in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, as their fish-cleaning boy, their pheasant-picking boy, and we started coming out to South Dakota. And Tony Dean's basement is where I stayed when I would come out here hunting and fishing. And then I got married, and my wife says, hey, I think we need to move <laughs> to South Dakota. You're out there all the time anyway. And we we did, and it's been the greatest thing I've ever done. Tony uh, did a lot of fighting for, for the waterfowl, for conservation and for the propagation and preser- preservation of waterfowl. Great guy. Um. We're in South Dakota, so it's clearly a lot different than Louisiana weather-wise. Now, this was something that I was a little bit um, overthinking, I think, because I guess this time of year, it's kind of like New England where I'm from. You wait a minute and it could change, or I guess a day here. For folks that have never been out of the southeast or not used to the weather up here, describe the climate and anything that they can expect throughout their time coming here, because that's something that you could have a much 
more comfortable hunt if you're prepared. Well, this is true. That's a good point to bring up. We'll tell people to prepare for 50 degrees or 5 degrees. It could be the same during the same period. In 12 hours, it could be 5 degrees and then to 50 or vice versa. So you don't know. We have a huge amount of mud here right now, which is not common for this time of year, but of course across the country we've had a lot of rain and snow. So when we come out, whether we're starting here for pheasants, normally you'd have field boots, chaps, something, you know, to keep the brush from tearing your pants up, and and light jacket. Well, two weeks ago we're fishing and heavy, or hunting and heavy parkas, snow boots, mud boots. We're pulling the bus with a tractor through the snow and the mud, which we weren't very happy with. Now this week we're going to have mid-40s, some 50s, it's going to be back to normal, and hopefully we see dust by tomorrow morning so we can get around a little easier. Even when we come out for the prairie dogs, you know, it could be unbelievably in August, it could be 49 degrees or it could be 105. You just don't know. Jeff, one last question for you. What would be the one tip you would give a rookie pheasant shooter? What do you see as a common mistake when somebody's just not knocking birds down? Well, <clears throat> you've got to follow through in your bird. You gotta, you've got to lead your bird. What you need to do is go to your local favorite trap shooting range or skeet range. Practice, practice, practice. It's, a, it's a, like hunting any other bird. You've got to lead your bird. You've got to pick your target. You can't get excited. They jump up. They scare the bejeebies out of you. And, <laughs> and you're shooting and I you're missing. And, and take your time. I I shoot a full choke. After everybody shoots, you just pick him out and you, you knock him down, at, you know, in your leisure. So that helps. But practice. Know your gun. Know how to work your gun. Don't, don't buy a brand-new gun because you're going to go pheasant hunting and come out here and not know how to work it. The biggest thing we have Single all is guys buy brand new guns because their buddies tell them what they have to have, and they have to have some fancy new automatic, and they don't know how to work it, mm-hmm. and it's frustrating. Don't bring your grandpa's single shot. We don't care. You're going to kill <laughs> just as many birds as your buddies. Uh, I was talking about guns with Brett last night and telling him what I shoot, and that's one thing I like about having only a two two shell gun is it's never going to jam on me. I'd have to open it every time I want to load it because sometimes you, what a bummer to see a bird fly and have your gun get locked up on you. But I'm, I'm, how much of a handicap am I going to be at with only two shells versus Don's three today? Oh, you won't be any handicap at all. That'll be just fine. You can only kill three birds anyway. That's it. So pick your target. <laughs> enjoy your time. There's plenty of birds. we got hundreds of acres of land to hunt. Your one walk is is just the beginning. We can just keep going and going all day long. That's why we're here. We're here to enjoy the outdoors. We're here to enjoy the wildlife and everything put in front of us. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for sharing all that information with us. Some good stuff and uh, looking forward to our hunt today. And right after this break, we're going to take you from pheasant hunting in South Dakota to Louisiana duck hunting. We're going to take you out to some of the duck blinds live and direct and get the blow-by-blow descriptions of what's going on. Also, if you want any information on the Cajun invasion, go to Don's website, dontheoutdoorsguy.com. It has all the details for next year's hunt. You, is it, it's not too early to get in on next year, correct? No, book now. All right. 
yeah, you can check that out there. And, of course, in an upcoming Bayou Wild episode, you'll get to see it. Chris LeCock, our phenomenal camera guy, Somebody is here. Somebody better go wake him up. Yeah, he's probably <laughs> – something tells me he's already out exploring getting something. That's thing about pheasant, honey. you got to be an early riser. No, that's true. I mean, other than this show, we would be probably still in bed right now, and I'm Absolutely. sure there's going to be a great breakfast for us when we wrap up. All right, back with some duck hunting for you right after this time out. You'll listen to more outdoors. Don Dubuque, Martha Spencer, WWL 105.3 FM HD2, and we live stream at DonTheOutdoorsGuy.com. And, Martha, we have Joe DeMarco from uh, Cajun Fishing and Hunting Adventures. He's out in the marsh down there near the Buras area. Joe, you've had the hot hand from what we understand the last few days, man. That flat has really been producing for you, huh? I have been blessed, Don. Good morning, Miss Martha. Good morning, Joe. Tell me what you got in your uh, boat so far. Well, we got some brand-new duck hunters today in the boat with me, so we've had a couple birds bust us that we probably could have shot at but water's still a little high this morning so i think we'll be fine once the tide falls out <laughs> how's the weather oh it's beautiful absolutely beautiful a north wind uh probably about 10 to 15 miles an hour uh there's birds moving around but there's, they're not cooperating yet that sounds familiar um, yeah <laughs> big ducks versus teal uh, seeing a lot of teal. Watch, guys, we got some birds right here in the front. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, they uh, a lot of redheads, a lot of uh, ringnecks right now flying around because the water's real high. But uh, we we seen some pintail this morning, uh, a few widgeon. Um, not as many gadwalls and gray ducks. The gray ducks is you would see when the water does fall open. I have faith in this flat right now. It's been really hot. So, just a matter of time. Joe, what do you think it is about that spot that's attractive? What, is it the food that's there? It, it, yes, it's definitely the feed, Don. Um, it's got it's got everything you want. It's got snails. It's got widgeon weed. It's got duck potatoes. I mean, it, it's just loaded with feed. Um, and now that all the lilies have gone off of it, I have a, a, a little bit better hole for them to set up in, but... Uh, it's been this this flat has always been a good producer for us on our lease uh, because of the the variety of food you get a, a nice variety of birds to shoot at. We were out there a few days ago with Ryan and we had a, a little bit of an issue competing with some other birds out there. How's the deal with the pooldew and the gallinue out there? Well, the pooldew, I pretty much got that number now because I have about 52 of them as decoys now. Um, uh, okay. and I, I, it seems to work and it, it blew my, Ryan's mind yesterday. He hunted this blind and, uh, I told him, I just put every coot decoy you got in the boat right in front of the blind and put the gray ducks right in the middle of them. And I don't know what it is. I guess it's just the, the confidence decoy maybe. Um, but they try to land right in the middle of them. So... If that helps anybody with a lot of coots in their area, go buy the cheapest well, coot decoys because you will shoot them. I've seen that when you're running out there and you run through a big pile of pool, dude. There'll always be little patches of grays that jump up out of there first, you know. And yep. They mix I, in with I, them. And I really think, say, I think it's a confidence thing. I really do. I mean, as you know, I've, I've hunted this piece of property for a dozen years or so now, and it's a, every day is a learning experience, and if you pay attention, they'll tell you what they want. And Who's your sidekick? 
sidekick you know, this morning? I, Who's your uh, four-legged sidekick? I have my old girl, Dakota. This is her last season. She'll be nine years old this year. So I'm her. I'm hoping she'll clear that 3,000 bird mark this year, and then I'm going to retire her. Now she got a good retirement, 401K, all ready to go, huh? <laughs> oh, oh, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Mama's already got her a brand-new bed. <laughs> there you go. You got to treat them good. There's a couple of labs up here that have uh, seen quite a few miles, well, and they, they live the high life. they got some stories and you know? scars. Yes, yeah. they do. Joe, we'll oh, let gosh. you get back to hunting, my friend. Thank you for the good report. Luck. I'm glad you're doing so well this season. You got the hot hand. Hope you keep it up. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank Y'all have a great weekend. Thank yep. you. We'll be back down to see you. All right, buddy. Sun's coming soon. up over, over the hill here, Don. Yes, it is. It's getting close to pheasant time. All right, we got some more uh, duck hunting reports coming at you. We'll be back to do that. But first, this time out on More Outdoors. And I'm not sure if we have a, a, a duck call blind set up. Uh, we're trying. Oh, we do have Mike Smith. Okay, let's Headed down to Reggio. Yes, indeed. Mike, how you doing this morning? Um, I'm doing not too good, but my brother's doing good because I'm at, uh, quote, unquote, my real job. And uh, my brother just, <laughs> my brother's uh, in the blind right now. Just uh, told me all kind of stuff to relay on to you all. Uh, he's hunting Delacroix. We we don't hunt Reggio no more. We have about five or six leases uh, in Delacroix now, and uh, I keep my boat across the street from the Delacroix Lodge. My wife's cousins own the Delacroix Lodge, and I have a beautiful dock where we keep our boats. But they're doing pretty good this morning, but they're going to hurry up before the tide starts uh, running out. That wind shipped about northwest, and uh, ho- hopefully they can make the hunt last a little longer before they lose the water. But uh, th- they were doing real good. Uh, teal, uh, a few grays, uh, of course, your uh, your scarp, <laughs> and a couple of redheads and stuff like that. But all this week, we had a great week except Monday. Uh, yeah, that Monday was had just a lot to do with that. Yeah, I didn't go Tuesday. I wasn't fighting no forty mile an hour gale force winds. But uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and and uh, Friday, we did fantastic. And we've been having the widest variety of birds: uh, grays, blue and green wing teal, widgeon. Haven't killed widgeon in a long time. Uh, pintail, redheads, stop, spoonbills, and of all things, wood ducks. We've had Excellent. a flock of wood ducks. Yeah flock of wood ducks come in in the marsh, and that happened twice. <laughs> so Mike, you we're are, killing them. Uh, you've been an ex-state duck calling champion, and I'd like to contribute your success to your calling. But really, what is it about your leases that, that have been so successful this year? Why, what's different with you and some people that are not that far away that aren't doing near as well? I don't have a clue. <laughs> we have grasses, you know, food, a lot of vegetation on each lease. There's no you know, bear ponds or anything. We we just in, you know, the good flyways. You know how you, you can have a spot that looks exactly like mine or the next guy's or whatever, but you know how the ducks always go to, uh, you know, the same places, it seems like. I, I don't know. Yeah, pulling them in but, uh, to an area is one thing, but being where they want to go, that's the key. Oh, heck yeah. You can put the duck call in, in the uh, in your shell bag. <laughs> As long as the birds, you know, you where the birds are and uh, they know where they want to go. Speaking of calling, we struggled to get the birds in last week where we were hunting. They didn't respond to the calls. They were acting kind because of Because I wasn't there. Yeah, <laughs> probably true. How is your, how, is, how are the birds coming into your decoys? Pretty good. You can forget the teal. The, t- the teal are either coming yeah. or, or not, you know, and yeah. the dogries you can forget. 
but uh, as far as the gray duck and model ducks, you can, you know, it's like trying to call a cow with a duck call. <laughs> uh, except during teal season, they they respond. But uh, the right. gray ducks have been coming pretty good. You know, uh, I'd say seventy percent of the grays that I call that, you know, coming in. That sounds great. Well, I hope that they get their bag before the tide moves because we did notice the other day that once that happens, that really does slow things down. Oh yeah, definitely. And I have uh, a, two new hunting rigs this year on my big floating barge blind uh i used to have twin 23 go devils on the back long tails now i got a uh, go devil surface drive 40 horsepower and made all the difference in the world it's like driving an outboard motor <laughs> mike what kind of decoy patterns have you been using you know a lot of people ask me that i've never seen ducks sitting in a v or a j before i've been <laughs> they don't know the <laughs> alphabet right no they, they don't know I've just been putting a, a wide. I'll leave, sometimes I leave a little gap in the middle because most of the time they head for that gap. Uh, I've been leaving a, a big, big spread out this time of the year, and a lot of coot decoys because uh, mm-hmm. that's sometimes in certain areas where we hunt we have to compete with the darn coots, the pole do. What because what's your opinion? Last question here on um, the mojo. Yeah, yeah or nay? It's working right now, but. There you Probably go. Right. by next week it won't work. Okay. Uh, now on cloudy days, uh, it it doesn't work as good as I I find. It works good yeah. on sunny days. And um, what I do, if, if the wind, I like to hunt a crosswind because when the ducks are coming in, they focused on your decoys instead of looking at your blind. You know, as if you had the wind to your back. Uh, I like the sun to my back. That way, it kind of blinds the ducks. Kind of. You know, put your uh, duck blind, a boat, in a shadow. And a crosswind, they're looking at the uh, decoys, and I put that mojo way upwind where they got to come over the decoys and head toward that mojo. So, I mean, it works, uh, I'd say, 60% of the time right now. But uh, later on in the season, it you know, it's going to flare a lot of birds. I'll just pick it up. <laughs> yeah, just play it by ear. Mike, somebody That's wants it. to book a trip with you, tell them the best way to get in touch with you. Uh, the best way is myself, 504-228-4506, website laduckhunts.com. All right, Mike, we're looking forward to our trip there before Thanksgiving. Uh, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you when we get back from Dakota. Uh, that'll work. Y'all have a good time up there. I bet you it's cold, huh? Not too bad. <laughs> oh, How okay. Cold as it is there. Almost the same. <laughs> yeah, that's, not, that's unusual. Okay, y'all have a good time. See y'all in a couple of weeks. All right, Mike. Thank you, buddy. All right, I thank think you. we have Captain Kirk on. Kirk, you with us? I'm with you. There he is. We got one dial to him. Uh, that, hey, that Martha with you? Hey. Yes, it is. Yeah, I found her. She's up here in South Dakota looking to kill a pheasant. Oh, okay. That's why you sound so far away. You are far away. We are. We're several thousand miles away. We're not in a land far, far away like you, but uh, right. hey, how's the hunting been over there? Uh, it started off real good. Uh, we, we had a good opener up through Tuesday when the big front came through. It was really good, and then it's kind of tapered off, and I'm looking at three ducks coming in right now, if they'll make it our way. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Here they come, y'all. They lit short. They lit about 80 yards out from us. 
Were they pintails or widgeons? Ah, they were, those were widgeons. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, yeah, it, uh, but, yes, it was real good uh, up through Tuesday, Wednesday, and it, it was slow yesterday and the day before, but we're seeing more gray ducks show back up today. I mean, the gray ducks had left with that, and uh, this morning we got a much more gray ducks show up. So, yeah, well, it's, uh, but it's, it's been a good opener for them. Yeah. Well, Kirk, that uh, pintail drake that I was lucky enough to bag last year, even though he got near half his head blown off, was salvaged <laughs> and is now beautifully mounted on the wall. tell you what, that guy would make a great mortician. He reconstructed that bird. I'll tell you, that guy must have done a great job because I remember how shot up the bird was. But, uh, we had to have him fly one direction good. over the other. <laughs> Kirk, we, we got into a discussion about your retriever. Now, Martha says I your forgot. dog's name is Carl. I said it's Clyde. I Who's think you're right? right. Don's right. It's, Cly- it's Clyde the Glide. Yep. Clyde the Glide. Glide. That's what reminded me of it. How's he doing? He's doing good. He's sitting here right next to me. He's waiting to get, to get go get another duck. Good. Good to hear. You guys, uh, is it booking up pretty quick out there? You guys yeah, yeah. We've been real busy. Yeah, we well, we have openings, but uh, you know we've been real busy too. And uh, uh, next week is a little slower than this week for uh, for openings, but uh, yeah, we, and man, the fishing has been real good too. Uh, so you can come and book a captain you know, blast still, even the cold weather. Yeah, do a blast. That's it. I mean, what happened? You know, we weren't catching any redfish, and we were doing great on trout. Well, that hard front hit uh, last week that uh, moved the trout out of their, the you know the fall pattern into the winter pattern which slowed them down, and the redfish showed up. So, it, uh, yesterday, every boat went out had their limbs of redfish. How's the family doing over there? Is everyone still getting along? Uh, <laughs> it, barely, but we're getting along. <laughs> yeah, everybody's getting along. <laughs> Enough good. to get by. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, it's one of those yeah, situations are good. where you, you depend on each other. you got to be friends. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> Whether you do or not, you have to. Yep, yep. Y'all got a great operation out there and a great family and a long-standing tradition. Really good to represent well, Louisiana. Kirk, you ever been well, up here? Well, thank you very much. Up this way? I've, no, I've been north of there up in Canada, but not the south coast. Mm-hmm. Well, we highly recommend well, if you ever get some time off, maybe between your split or something, to to get up here because it's a it's a beautiful landscape. I'll, I'll, I'll try that. I've, I've heard it's beautiful. The hunt's good. I guess you guys are pheasant hunting. Yeah, we head out, and the great thing is you can sleep in, which I know you're not accustomed to. No, I'm not at all. <laughs> yeah, it's not legal to hunt pheasant until ten. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. Wow. So you get to eat wow, a good. I've never heard of that. Get your shoes on. Get to stay up late. The people play late and yep. drinking adult beverages and still have plenty of time to get up. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You could. You got enough time to shake off a hangover before you go hunting. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, she does. No, she I felt most great. Definitely does. I was great this morning. Tell <laughs> Kirk about your carnivore that you ate. Hey, Kirk. They have this. This is wild. They eat uh, a dip. Now they did say that it's not like a year-round tradition. It's kind of like a deer season opener kind of tradition. But they pulled out this dip called carnivore, and it was. No lie, legitimately just ground raw chuck, seasoned heavily with onions and tenderizer and, you know, different spices. But it was pretty much pate with ground chuck. And I've never seen raw meat disappear unless there was 
been on the floor with the dogs, but it was put on the bar here with about 12 to 15 guys, and it got tore up with some Ritz crackers, horseradish, and pickles. And it was a little scary, but I gave it a try, and it wasn't too bad. I think some of those It wasn't too bad. It doesn't sound real good. I know that. But I mean, if you, if you if like you your meat, it, you know, still mooing. Yeah, it's good. I think, honestly, the horseradish overpowered the meat, so maybe that's why I didn't see Well, I didn't try it. I was still sober. Chris, Chris tried it. <laughs> maybe if you put some of that Lud sauce on it, maybe nah, you it's, it's, it's Yeah, well, that, that Lud sauce, I guarantee make it good. Yeah, it's good, but I think I think you'd like it. Well, you need to get up here with us next year, and we wish you a great hunt this weekend. Well, I'll, I'll, maybe that could happen, but if it's during duck season, I can't get away. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah we know that. We know that for sure. Kirk, thanks uh, for the reports, as always. We appreciate it. Sound like y'all having a good time, and keep it up. And oh, every day. Next yeah. Okay, man. All right. Good talking to y'all. Y'all have a good time up there. And stay, stay you. warm. We'll try our best. Okay. Bye. All right, there he goes, Captain Kirk, into uh, places where no man's ever gone before. <laughs> Captain of the Enterprise. Yeah, the name is Boat Enterprise. Yeah, the, the Starship Enterprise. You know, the sun's up now, and I'm looking over at this hill, and there's frost on the ground. That's something I haven't seen in a while. You know, it has to be a pretty calm evening to get well, frost. We had a frost on the North Shore while we were down at Ryan's. Uh, I, could yeah, tell, I, I could tell a lot of my, my vegetation was killed. When I came back. If I look to the south, I can see a little bit of snow left over, um, the, but there's no there's no wind, which is kind of a refreshment, refreshing. Well, it's time for us to go uh, finish, get some breakfast, and then we're going to head out there for some pheasants. You'll be seeing some of this video, and also we'll be telling stories of it on next week's show, so hope you tune us in again. We start at 5 a.m. on the Big 870 WWL in the network, and then we go over to WWL FM 1053 HD2, which you're listening to now. Coming up and taking over for us for this last hour, Keith Lusher's got North Shore Fishing Report. Some of his wonderful guests be filling in on all the happenings on the North Shore. Thanks to Doug Christian. We got you in and out, and we'll be back again next week. Have a great weekend. Take care. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.